630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Well, my goodness, I got the Friday night football game on. And as Inside Sports starts, who is the close-up of none other than Chris Jones, the defensive consultant for the Toronto Argos, which, of course, leads me to say, Ken Dial. Early in the second quarter, it is the Argos leading Montreal 7-0. Games in Toronto. Montreal trying to drive here. They get a first down down to the Toronto 20. We will keep you updated on that game later on tonight. A popular little team known as the Saskatchewan Rough Riders will visit Michael Riley and the BC Lions. Both those teams are 4-2. I'm going to tell you something right now. The BC Lions are not actually that good. They've beaten Ottawa a couple times. Saskatchewan will win that game tonight. And I'm actually going to say Saskatchewan will win that game fairly comfortably. How about that? And no, I'm not just pandering to all the Rider fans out there. I know there's a couple of them, and sometimes you might listen to Inside Sports. That's the game coming up a little bit later on tonight. Baseball this evening in it is the Yankees six, the Red Sox nothing. That's in the top of the third. And the Blue Jays are just getting going against the Minnesota Twins. Wild card, Boston is two up on the Yankees. Yankees one up on Toronto. So right now, the Blue Jays out of a playoff spot. The Oilers continuing training camp today. We have several storylines to jump into tonight. I can tell you that the Oilers visit Calgary for their preseason opener on Sunday. It's on 6.30, Jed. 5.30 for the face-off show. The game will start at 7. Tuesday, the Oilers are home to the Seattle Kraken, and we will have uh, some Kraken talk. <laughs> I, 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 that's the first time I've used that phrase, and I realized how kind of silly it sounds. Does it sound silly? I don't know. It sounded a little off. We're going to have some Kraken talk. We're going to talk Kraken. We're going to have a Kraken conversation. Uh, anyway, what was I saying? Yeah, we're gonna have a, we're gonna talk a little bit about the Seattle Kraken later on. Now, I want to remind you on Tuesday, we have uh, the Oilers and the uh, Kraken on 6:30. Chet, 5:30 face-off show game at seven. The Elks, who got back on the practice field today, will have some clips from them. The Elks and the Red Blacks are Tuesday on Kiss and Country 103.9, 4.30 for the face-off, uh, not the face-off show, the countdown to kickoff, and 5.30 for the start of the game. So those are some of the details there. Hey, hope you're doing well. It's 10 after 6. Reed Wilkins with you. You can always get in touch. You can email inside sports at 630ched.com. Follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. I am in the running for the uh, most boring account on Twitter. I believe I'm in the final five for that. We'll see if I actually get the award. And, of course, texting or calling the hotline presented by CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials, 780-496-0063. Bob Stoffer is going to hop on the show, too. Uh, U of A football ready to go tomorrow. Chris Morris will be on the show. The big rugby sevens weekend at Commonwealth. That is, that is such a fun, action-packed sport. We'll have the captain of the Canadian uh, men's team. And I believe... Uh, I believe we're going to name the animal a little bit later on tonight, which is uh, always something to look forward to. Okay, so look, the uh, the Oilers roll in here. They had a scrimmage today as Montreal gets a touchdown against the Argos. They had a, a scrimmage today, so they, they still have over 50 players in camp. So they have two groups. They practice at the same time. One group was in Rogers Place. The other group was in the downtown community arena. And then they came together at Rogers Place for a scrimmage. Two 20-minute periods. Now, here's the thing. Some of the more prominent players did not take part in the scrimmage. Those included Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, 
Zach Hyman, Yessi Pugliarvi, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the, the guys I've referred to as the Oilers' top five forwards did not take part in the scrimmage today. Kyler Yamamoto played uh, on a line with Derek Ryan and Warren Fogle. Yamamoto scored twice, one into an empty net. He also scored the first goal of the game, glove high on Mike Smith to open the scoring in what turned out to be a 5-2 win uh, for Team Blue, which uh, featured Yamamoto. And uh, Tyler Benson got a goal. He was uh, pretty involved in the play as well, and he's one of the players we'll talk about tonight. But we will we will start with the two stars. We'll, we'll talk with the two guys who are, are really the engine of the team. And, of course, that is Dreisaitl and McDavid. And maybe sometimes uh, a little too much is is relied on them for them to be the engine of the team and provide all the power as it goes along. But Dave Tippett said today, hey, when you got these two driven star players, baby, they want to be the alpha dogs. They're great friends, but they also drive each other. And that's uh, and the work ethic and the ability to help the team win. And, you know, Great players like that, they take the responsibility for winning. They take the responsibility. And that's why sometimes I feel like we've, we've used them too much at times. And it's, it's because they want to do it. You know, they're looking at you like, hey, this is hard. This is going to be, we need somebody to make sure this gets done. And they, they're looking at you going, hey, put me out there to get the job done. <laughs> you know, so they take that responsibility. But they do drive each other. They expect to be in... Uh, you know, they understand their, their role on our team and they have to be good for our team to be good. That being said, we, you know, we think we can get stronger around them, but they certainly take the responsibility that, that, uh, that they put on themselves to be a good team. Well, I think there's a few things to look into there. And I, I think we can say this about team sports in, in general. The best players know they're the best players. They're used to being the uh, person on the ice when the game is on the line. You know, Michael Jordan wanted the last shot. Joe Montana wanted to be driving the ball late in the game to get the win. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl want to be on the ice in the in the uh, big situations for the Oilers. Now, of course, part of Edmonton's problem is is that they haven't really had a lot of other options to put on the ice in those situations. We have seen games in the past. The Oilers are down late in the third period. They pull the goalie with two and a half minutes left. Drysettle McDavid got to play the entire two and a half minutes. I mean, Drysettle played the final four minutes of a game this season. So, yes, you're going to lean on those guys. They they want the responsibility. I, I think almost any coach would, would use the heck out of them. But there has to be some other options along the way. And I was talking about this a few days ago, and I referenced, you know, speaking to a former NHLer about this last season. The the Oilers are protecting a one-goal lead in a game. Well, usually the players on the ice in that situation were Leon Dreisettle, Connor McDavid, and it was often Josh Archibald uh, getting that other spot, who once again, of course, didn't practice today. He just came out of quarantine. He skated uh, before the main group of practice. We'll see when, when he's available. So... We've seen, okay, well, we're, we're on the power play. we got to put Leon and Connor out. We, uh, we need a goal or two. got to put Leon and Connor out. Uh, we're, it's a late-game situation. we got to put Leon and Connor out. And, oh, by the way, they're probably going to start overtime. <laughs> no, look, of course they're going to play a lot. 
But I, I think specifically for that situation late in the game, hopefully there are some other options for Edmonton this season. If you need a right-hand face-off guy, maybe, you know, Derek Ryan can go out. Maybe Zach Hyman's going to be on the ice to check and help in those uh, in those areas as well. And, and I know what Tippett said. Hey, they, they want to do it. They want to say, okay, I'm not just going to be the guy on the ice when we need a goal. I want to be out there when we prevent a goal as well. But if you talk about shaving some minutes off Drysaddle and McDavid, so maybe they stay fresher a little longer or or you have some other guys bearing the weight of the team, I look at that as one situation. Okay, you're you're trying to preserve a one-goal lead in the last 45 seconds. Maybe you don't have to put those guys out all the time or or there can be another shift. So just something to consider there. And uh, hopefully the Oilers, I mean, look, they, 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 sh- they do look like they should have more forward depth up front than they have in a long time. And as I referenced earlier this week, to me, the forward depth is not just the offense. It's not just who's going to put the puck in the net. It's checking in defensive depth and face-off depth as well. So there's a storyline there. Now, as we uh, saw the uh, the top six deployed so far in training camp, McDavid centering Hyman and Yessi Pugliarvi. Dreisaitl centering Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Kyler Yamamoto. We have seen in uh, in recent seasons, Drysaddle and McDavid sometimes be on the same line, sometimes not. But as uh, as we saw this past season, when it got to crunch time, when it got to the postseason, and the Oilers needed wins and needed to keep their season going, Drysaddle and McDavid were on the same line. And, and I and I still think that you know internally, the Oilers would say, if we're going to be a true contending team. We, we got to split those guys up, and we got to have two strong lines. So how's it going to go, Tip? How are you going to use these guys, together or apart? We're going to try, you know, a number of different things in training camp just to see how it goes. But, um, you know, you don't, you don't have to watch a lot of hockey to understand when they're together. It's pretty special. But that being said, we need to, we need to find more balance in our lineup. So um, there'll be times when... When uh, you know, for the most part, they're apart. But then there'd be times the power play they play together. There's certain times in a game where I'll find some time for them together, and I think they kind of like it that way. You know, at the end of the year last year, I talked to both of them about you know together or apart, and we said we'd reconvene and talk in the in training camp. But they like having the the ability to jump together, but they both want to take the responsibility and making us a more balanced team, also. So. Uh, we'll just kind of see how it goes. Game to game situations, you know. You, it's a nice card to have in your pocket if you need it. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it is a great card to have in the pocket. Here, here's how I look at it, and, and here's how Zach Hyman hopefully is going to help. And there is no doubt that if Drysdale and McDavid are on the ice at the same time, they're they're the deadliest duo in the National Hockey League. I absolutely believe that. And as we have seen over the last couple of years, even longer. Sometimes Drysaddle McDavid playing 22, 23 minutes a game, 25 minutes a game can win a hockey game, even if the Oilers are minus the other 35 minutes of the game. But, you know, we also saw a lot of nights where it's like, okay, those guys play awesome, but then other teams are thinking, all right, even if we lose the McDavid Drysaddle shifts, one nothing or two nothing, we think we can beat the Oilers' other nine forwards and the other guys by, by three or more. Hang on. You know, if you're the opponent, hang on. While McDavid and Dreisaitl are on the ice, you might lose the matchup. Don't lose it by too much and win the game in the other 35 to 40 minutes. 
I think the advantage of, you know, hopefully Hyman and hopefully Yamamoto and hopefully Puliyarvi, if that forms the top six, the top two lines along with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, well, then you have other teams saying, oh, man, that is so tough to take on that McDavid line for 20 minutes. Oh, and then we got to stop the dry side line for 20 minutes. And then they're going to be on the power play for four to six minutes. So then the window of opportunity for the Oilers to have better players on the ice almost doubles if you split those guys up and they have competent line mates who contribute, who can contribute offensively. And, and what's, you know, the, the year, two years ago, when Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and Yamamoto got put together, one of the storylines was, well, now that line is going, going well, and now McDavid has nobody to play with. So that's what the Oilers are hoping. That's why I think for the long-term success, still, it's better that those guys are apart most of the time. And then, as Tippett said, it's a nice card to have in your pocket. Late game situations, late in the period, after the icing, maybe you put them out together, but maybe you're picking your spots as opposed to feeling like, well, nothing else is working, so I guess i got to put Leon and Connor on the ice again. Okay, we got a lot to get to today. Uh, like I said, uh, some pretty interesting thoughts from Tyler Benson and Kyle Turris today as they're pushing for uh, significant spots here on the Oilers. You can chime in at 780-496-0063. It's Inside Sports. So, some players trying to contribute here, do a little more than they did last year for the Oilers, and one of those for sure, Kyler Yamamoto. He said he spent the summer working on his shot so he can finish a little more. Here's Dave Tippett on those opportunities. That was one thing we talked about at the end of the year and uh, talked to him through the summer a little bit. He told me his dad built a shooting uh, ramp for him in the backyard. He's been shooting all summer, so <laughs> we'll see. Hopefully he takes that to heart. I think sometimes playing with Leon and Connor, he defers that shot a lot of times and, and wants to wants to pass uh, before a shoot. But he's got to be a guy that, uh, you know, he, he has to be a little more selfish at times and take the puck to the net, find pucks around the net. He's got a he's got a not a bad little release in in tight there, but he's got to use it a little more. So that was the message to him at the end of last year, and uh, hopefully he comes in and takes that. Med- I know he's practiced it a lot. We'll see if he uses it a lot, you know, coming up here. All right, Kyler Yamamoto, exciting player, still kind of finding out who he's going to be here for the Oilers. But as it shakes down right now, it uh, it looks like he'll get a chance here in the top six as we move through the preseason. The Oilers will scrimmage again tomorrow and those big names that didn't take part today are expected to uh, play in that one speaking of a big name my goodness we got bob stoffer coming up after the news and weather Taking you into the weekend, Sunday night at 7. It's the Oilers at the Flames. First preseason game for Edmonton. 5.30 is the start time for the face-off show here on 6.30. Chet Elks back at practice today. The Elks will play in Ottawa on Tuesday. The game's on Kiss and Country 103.9. And we'll have the Oilers and the Kraken here on 6.30. Chet, 
tomorrow at Foot Field, the U of A Golden Bears football team, who had a pretty exciting season in uh, 2019, the last time they played. They start their season tomorrow, 1 o'clock Foot Field against UBC. Head coach Chris Morris will join us a little bit later on on Inside Sports. Uh, Golden Bears hockey playing uh, Calgary tonight. That continues to be preseason action for the Golden Bears. CFL tonight, two minutes left in the first half. Montreal leading Toronto 10-7. Later, it's Saskatchewan at BC. And keeping an eye on that playoff chase for the Blue Jays. Well, the Yankees all over the Red Sox tonight. It is 7 nothing for the uh, Yankees at Fenway. Now into the top of the fourth, and the Blue Jays are playing the Minnesota Twins, and that one's in the top of the second, and uh, a scoreless tie. The Jays are behind... but one game behind the Yankees for the second wild card spot, three games behind Boston, who have the uh, first of the two wild card positions. Quick update there: uh, some of the headlines in the world of sports today. And I am pleased to welcome back to the program the host of the excellent Oilers Now every day noon to two here on six thirty. Chet, it's my good buddy Bob Stoffer. Hey, Bob, what's going on, man? I'm just sitting outside uh, the parking lot at Claire Drake Arena, right? So. I'm uh, going to make it three Fridays in a row into the building to go watch the Bears play. And then uh, we're going to go watch the uh, go watch Chris's team play tomorrow for the, the start of the season after you and me are down at Rogers Place for the practice and uh, Oilers scrimmage tomorrow. I'm going to sneak off to, to go see uh, the Golden Bears football program. I've got a couple of real good players there that are expected to be uh, higher up into the upcoming CFL draft. And, and then I'm going to watch Alabama. At, they're on TSN tomorrow at 5.30. So it's a, it's going to be a good sports weekend before uh, we get going with our game on Sunday, the Oilers and the Flames. Now, who is out? Because as you know, Bob, I, I have a very casual interest in college football. I'm nowhere near into it like you are. I mean, I love the NFL. I love the CFL. The college teams, I, I, I once it gets down towards near the end, I'm like, okay, these are the good teams, and, and they're going to play off. So who is Alabama playing tomorrow? They're playing Southern Mississippi, and there was a pretty good quarterback that came out of Southern Mississippi that played for the Packers for a long time. So uh, he, he was originally with the Atlanta Falcons, so you can yes, figure out who that four, is. Brett Favre. Yes, yes. Uh, he was in uh, something about Mary, wasn't he? But, uh, <laughs> anyhow, uh, yeah, uh, we discussed this last week, Reed, that Alabama was going to play Florida. You know, they, they, you know, I think they had eight or ten million people watching that game down in the states. Uh, they got a game. I mean, it was uh, 31-29. We, we were finishing watching that game as we were getting ready for the Oilers rookie broadcast with the Flames. It's uh, you know, in the Southeast football in the Southeast is is like hockey in Canada, except multiply it by about three, uh, just because <laughs> it, it it it's it, there's the engagement level and the cross-section that they have of their student bodies. And I will say this, the last few years I've noticed there's been way more students coming out before we got shut down for the pandemic at the university. Similar to maybe to read what it was like around uh, the late 80s, early 90s at the U of A when they had a, a more a more of a presence at the games. And so it's it's quite the experience and it's easy to become a fan of it. And you're, you know, when you're watching Alabama, you're watching a school that's produced more NFL players than any other program in the last decade. You know, they've had about, off the top of my head, about 30 first-round picks over the last six or seven years. It's pretty spectacular players to watch. The early 90s is when I attended the U of A, and I went to uh, many, many U of A Golden Bears games and continued uh, through the 90s. Obviously, once I moved to Lloydminster, I didn't see uh, nearly as many games. But when I was going in the 90s, sometimes uh, a group of people 
uh, in the stands were even more entertaining than the action on the ice. And those were the uh, folks from St. Joe's College, was that what it's called, yeah. who would come out and provide a lot of the heckling and off-ice entertainment directed at the opposing team. I have, and yeah. when I've gone to games in recent years, th th I think there was one Saskatchewan Huskies game where there were maybe 10 of them, but generally that, I, I think that died. I wouldn't mind if that came back. That, that was a fun tradition, oh, hey. those St. Joe's guys getting out there and getting on the other team. They were big supporters of Derek Ryan when he played at the U of A from 2008 to about 2000. And uh, I guess his last year would have been the, well, uh, 07, 08, 08, 09, 09, 10, 10, 11 season was his last year. And uh, I know that uh, that, that current winner who you saw today, uh, he had quite the following. I think for at least one of the years that he was here, he lived there uh, oh. when he came out from, Spok from Spokane. So I know they had a chant for Derek Ryan. And so, uh, no, that's, you know, it's, it's it's like like Reed. I can tell you, in 1990, there were fans scalping tickets to Golden Bear Calgary's hockey games outside the arena. So it's hard to believe. Um, I think one of the things that happened is the passion for the Oilers became greater, and the Oilers did such a great job marketing. And you know, they would do things like have signs in right in front of the Butterdome, as an example, along 114th Street. You know, so. Um, and, I, and I know it's from hosting a show since 2000 and the 0203 season. Like, you, you can never talk enough about the Edmonton Oilers, which we've not done in the first six or seven minutes. Like, people want to hear about it all the time. There's that level of passion. Just look at the Twitter follows for guys like you and me and, you know, Jack, and compare that to, you know, Calgary as an example. Like, it's a night and day difference, and it's a reflection upon the strength of the brand, but also the the buy-in and the, the, the passion that the fans have for the hockey team here in Edmonton. Well, Bob, I'll tell you this. Uh, if you and I stuck to one topic for the entire time we were on air together, that would be a, a new record because we, we tend to meander, but that's why I enjoy having you on the show because uh, yeah. we do tend to bounce all over the place. But look, I, I, I focused in the first half hour of the show on Big David and Dreisaitl, and if you talk about, well, people can't get enough Oilers talk, I think within that, they, they can't get enough Big David and Dreisaitl talk. Tip gave a a great clip today about whether or not they're going to play together or apart. He, he said that it's it's a great card to have in his pocket that if they're not together, he can always throw them together. I still think ultimately, and hey, they are dynamite obviously together, and they're going to be on the power play together, and they'll probably, well probably start overtime together but maybe we'll see how that goes with some of the other guys they have to play three on three the way i look at it as if mcdavid and dry settle are together other teams know all right we might we might not have the puck much for the 22 to 25 minutes these two guys are on the ice and even if we lose that section of the game by a goal or two we might be able to win the other 35 minutes by two or three goals because the Oilers haven't had a lot of depth if McDavid and Dreisaitl have sufficient wingers, which it appears they should have, you know, more than they've ever had this year, well, now McDavid and Dreisaitl play 40 to 45 minutes combined, and then that leaves the window of opportunity maybe down to 15 to 18 minutes for that other team to take advantage of the Oilers' third and fourth lines, which, oh, by the way, might be better than they have been in the past as well. Yeah, I, I do think, Reed, you're going to see at times Nugent Hawkins in that playoff series against Winnipeg, specifically the final two games, played pretty well Zach Cassian on his right wing, and I can see Hyman playing there at times if the Oilers elect to go with that super nuclear option with McDavid, Dreisaitl, and uh, uh, yes, a Pulley Arby. 
Uh, to me, Zach Hyman is absolutely critical. Uh, I think he's going to have a huge year. He has a relentless work ethic. He wanted solely to come to Edmonton if he couldn't get Toronto done. Um, this is a player, and this is one I know I mentioned it on my show a couple times. For all the criticism the current University of Saskatchewan head coach Mike Babcock got during his tenure in Toronto, and some of it was self-induced. Mike, uh, some would interpret as not a humble man. Uh, he's strong opinion, strong-willed, but he loves Zach Hyman. And for me, when the Oilers played those three games against Toronto, you were in the building. Zach Hyman was the best player on the ice. Mm-hmm. On the ice in a game in which the Leafs had, you know, Austin Matthews missed, I think, one or two of those games. But the, the Leafs have got Matthews. The Leafs have got Tavares and Nylander and, and Marner. And for me, Hyman was the guy I noticed the most. The Oilers with David and Dreisaitl. And I think Hyman's going to change the balance of things. Just and then, and, and it's and it's funny, um, you know. I do talk to different people in the organization, and Brad Holland was sort of the guy who, you know, educated me. Uh, not so much on Hyman. That was a pretty easy sell after what I saw in February. But on Fogel, and 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 thinking that there was more game to give with Fogel. So, I think Edmonton's a completely different team up front. I think they're a way deeper team. Dom Lucician has started to put out his rankings for top 32 teams in the NHL up in the Athletic. It would not surprise me if Edmonton's in the top eight based on uh, on his model, which is heavily based on analytics, not necessarily on gut feel. I, I'm, I'm quite confident what Edmonton can roll out in their top nine. I think, and you, you know, I, you saw it, Reed, you saw it today when they had Fogel with Derek Ryan and Kyler Yamamoto. And part of me was, I know Jack brought it up, and I know Louie brought it up on today's show. And we're, we're sitting there going, that line was pretty good together. Well, you know what? That, you know, if, if you, we all assume Hyman's going to play McDavid and Foley Arby. But if you do play Hyman with Nugent Hopkins and Cassian, you know, you can create some different looks. So the Oilers, to me, the Oilers are way deeper at forward. Plus, Foley Arby and Yamamoto are way more mature. Reed, how about this? You and me sat here at the start three years ago, the start of the eighteen nineteen season. You know what can Ty Ratty do this year? Right. Is Kyder Kyder Yamamoto ready to take the next step? What about uh, you know what about Yesipoliarvi? Well, those three guys combined for nine goals, and fortunately they brought uh, Chase on in on a PTO. He got twenty two, and Cassian got fifteen. But but they they got nine goals out of guys at the start of the year as their top three right wings. Well, I think they got so, more than but, nine combined in the preseason because they scored almost every goal in the preseason that year, remember? Right, right. And so now, translate that to the here and now, Pulley Arby has, has taken a quantum step forward. I know Connor, I asked Connor about it because Connor doesn't like talking about himself and he really doesn't like talking about social issues or personal things because he's guarded, right? But he will talk about his teammates. And his teammates have to have been in shock with Pauly Arby last year because Reed, I swear, was like the invasion of the body snatchers. Like, he came back and he, it was like, that's not yes of Pauly Arby that we're watching. He doesn't even play like the guy that was here before. He's playing, you know, he's all in, he's engaged, he's first in on the puck, he's knocking guys off the puck, he's, he's forechecking with a, a ba- reckless abandon, and then he's backtracking on pucks and supporting the play defensively. That wasn't who was here before, right? The guy that was here before was perimeter and waiting to get set up for a shot. And so 
we, we know Pogliarvi is going to grow. We know Yamamoto is going to grow. The guess is Cassian is probably going to bounce back on the right side. Archibald, okay, that's another question. We'll see what happens there. But they've got other guys that can potentially replace that. But it's the left side that's way better. Way better. With the additions, we know for sure with Hyman and Fogel. And then what about Benson? Yeah, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about Benson later on. And it's interesting, too, how Shore has been used and how McLeod has been used so far. I mean, I wonder if Shore is ultimately going to be a center like he's lined up so far in, in training camp. I don't know if that's going to be the case. Maybe we'll get some more information uh, at the scrimmage tomorrow or in the preseason game on Saturday. Bob, quickly before I I, 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 I know you got to go to the rink. Evan Bouchard, and I said this on my show last night, they, they are not... They, they, they are not downplaying expectations for Evan Bouchard. I mean, Ken Holland has said it. His teammates have, have praised him. Uh, Dave Tippett called Evan Bouchard an X factor for the team and somebody he thinks they're going to rely on. They're not treating him like, okay, he's never really been a full-time NHLer. Let's, let's see what he's going to do. They're treating him like, you know, here you go, Evan Bouchard. You're ready to go. You look ready to go. you got to grab it. It, 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 it's, it. It's an interesting approach because a lot of times coaches try to shelter younger players, even if they're into their early 20s like Evan, but he hasn't played a ton. But they, they clearly are very confident in Bouchard coming into this season. Well, I know we got a lot of fans that think that Ethan Bear walked on water. Um, and we have other fans that were probably too critical at times of Ethan Bear. It was somewhere in between the middle. But for me, Evan Bouchard should have been playing more last year. And uh, the one thing I will say, you know why Ethan Bear got his nose out of everybody else two years ago. He was he reported in the best shape. The four years he was in Edmonton, the condition he was in the best at was at the start of the uh, 1920 season. And the first time that Dave Tippett and Jim Playfair saw him was the captain skates, and he looked terrific. Well, guess what? Guesses look terrific this summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evan Bouchard, right? And he came in early in Edmonton, and Leon Dreisaitl said today he looks like he belongs. Reed, I'm going to say it right now. By the 30-game mark, Evan Bouchard's going to be pushing for top four ice time, and there is a chance towards the end of the year he's going to be Darnell Nurse's full-time partner, and then if the Oilers are behind... They'll uh, play Barrymore on the right side, and if they're ahead, they'll play CeCe more. I'm not confident of where Evan Bouchard's going to go. Well, I mean, if that happens, Bob, that, that that would be amazing. That's that's an optimistic prediction. I hope it happens, man. That's some good stuff. Hey, I'll see you for the scrimmage. Thanks for checking in because I know you're getting into the game, man. I really appreciate it. We'll talk tomorrow, okay? Awesome, Ray. Take care. Bye-bye. That is Bob Stauffer checking in. Well, he's high on Evan Bouchard as well, so uh, I, I, I hope he does it. I, I think Evan Bouchard, for me, tons of potential there's no doubt when the puck's on his stick he is excellent he can shoot he can pass it's going to come down for Bouchard handling the cycle breaking up the cycle handling the physical play puck retrieval things like that but as Bob said they've been watching him in the captain's case they know they know he's done some work and uh hopefully now that is going to show itself very quickly uh what did we have here Toronto got a long bomb touchdown 55 yards with nine seconds left in the first half so the Argos lead the Alouettes 21-10 now at halftime back in a couple of minutes inside sports on Chet.
Just want to pass along a quick traffic note here. Got a text from former D-man Mark about a collision on the corner of 111th Street and the White Mud westbound access ramp. So uh, if you're in that area, corner of 111th Street and the White Mud westbound access ramp, uh, apparently some sort of a collision between a motorcycle and a car. Uh, hopefully everybody is uh, okay, but I imagine you can expect some delays in that area. 111th Street and the White Mud westbound access ramp. Thanks to Mark for sending in that traffic tip. Okay, 6.55. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 6.30. Ched, uh, we'll continue with the Oilers chat in the next hour of the show. We'll talk about some U of A football, and uh, we'll bring aboard a uh, new member. Well, I guess they're all new members, but uh, a recently hired member of the Seattle Kraken broadcast crew pretty cool uh cool story there and we'll talk a little bit about the uh, kraken training camp where the oilers are going to play in preseason action on tuesday of course uh evan bouchard a hot topic bob and i were talking about him high expectations for him on the oilers blue line and leon dreisaitl says uh yeah bouchard's getting a lot better it's the mental side of it right he the way he carries himself in the dressing room it it's it's like he belongs on this team like it, it's his time to to, to make this team and, and crack the opening lineup and, and, and make an impact and not just, you know, be a guy that, that is in and out of the lineup. He's going to be a guy that, that will be in the lineup and we're going to look for him to, to produce offense and, and, um, you know, speed up our game and, and all, all different aspects. So, um, he looks very good. Um, great kid. So excited for him. Evan Bouchard has been paired with Slater Cuckoo through training camp. We'll see how they look tomorrow at the scrimmage and then the lineup on uh, Sunday in Calgary. I mean, we'll see for that. We'll know a little bit more Sunday morning. I I would assume some of the players who are only going to get into one preseason game before going back to junior or uh, going to Bakersfield, many of those players I I would think are going to play either Sunday or on Tuesday against the Seattle Kraken. Okay, we're going to call a quick timeout. 7 o'clock news and weather coming up on Chet. 6.30, 6.30, Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30, Chad.